On today's episode, we get into the fourth story of Grimm's Fairy Tales, titled Good Bowling and Card Playing. I'm Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. My name is Zach Stewart, and here at Shadow Bear, we look at the folk tales, fairy tales, myths, and legends that shaped the world as we know it, and we pick apart just how insanely dark and accidentally hilarious these stories really are. So each week, we'll dig into a new story, and at the end, we'll look past the lessons the story thinks it's teaching to find the lessons it's actually teaching, usually in a very convoluted or roundabout, twisted, dark way. So let's get into it. This week we are continuing our journey through Grimm's Fairy Tales with the fourth entry of the collection, a story titled Good Bowling and Card Playing. Let's not waste any time and get right to it. We begin. Once upon a time there was an old king who had the most beautiful daughter in the world. Wow, starting off on a real grandiose note. One day he announced... Whoever can keep watch in my old castle for three nights can have the princess for his bride. Okay, a little low bar for marrying off his daughter, a house-sitter, for three days. Now, there was a young man from a poor family who thought to himself, Why not risk my life? I've got nothing to lose and a lot to win. What's there to think about? So he's starting out saying, Why not risk my life? So apparently it's known that there's something in this castle that very well might kill you. We continue. So he appeared before the king and offered to keep watch in the castle for three nights. I guess there were no other takers. Doesn't bode well for this poor young man. The king says, You may request three things to take with you into the castle, but they have to be lifeless objects. There are rules added to the mix. Well, I'd like to take a carpenter's bench with a knife, a lathe, and fire. One of the objects is just fire? There isn't a fireplace there? I assume you could make a fire in the castle. Castles tend to have a lot of fireplaces. Hmm. Also, it seems like he's grouping carpenter's bench with a knife together. Kind of shoehorning the knife in there. It's four items. Carpenter's bench and knife are definitely two separate items. Anyway, we continue. All of these things were carried into the castle for him. That's nice, they carried the things along for him. When it turned dark, he himself went inside. At first, everything was quiet. He built a fire, placed the carpenter's bench with the knife next to it, and sat down at the lathe. What is a lathe? I have no idea what a lathe is. I'm going to look up what a lathe is. Bear with me. A lathe is a machine for shaping wood, metal, or other material by means of a rotating drive, which turns the piece of wood being worked on against a changeable cutting tool. Ah, so it's one of those things you attach a piece of wood to, and it spins the wood around, and you put a knife or some type of chisel up to it, and you'll sculpt it. You'll sculpt the piece of wood by the rotation. All right. Interesting. He's giving, he's, he's giving himself some tools to, to, to make things to solve whatever problems this castle throws at him. Pretty clever. 
All right, so he built a fire, placed the carpenter's bench with the knife next to it, and sat down at the lathe. Toward midnight, however, a rumbling could be heard, first softly, then more loudly. Biff, baff, hee hee, holla ho! Those are all direct quotes, culminating in holla ho. We continue. It became more dreadful, and then it was somewhat quiet. Finally, a leg came down the chimney and stood right before him. Hey there, the young man cried out. How about some more? One is too little. So a disembodied leg shoots out of the chimney, and he taunts the castle in return, mocking it for one leg being all it could muster. This is the weird shit that we are here for. The noise began once again. Another leg fell down the chimney, and then another and another, until there were nine. That's enough now. I've got enough for bowling, but there are no balls. Out with them. Well, I gotta give it to this guy. He's really rolling with the punches here. A bunch of disembodied legs fall out of the chimney and stand fully upright, and he's just taunting the the chimney in return. I might be a little more alarmed, or at least get to work making something with the lathe. Instead, he's just verbally taunting the entire castle around him. Continuing, there was a tremendous uproar, and two skulls fell down the chimney. He put them in the lathe and turned them until they were smooth. Now they'll roll much better, he said. He is really not hesitating with his words or his actions. Two skulls fall down the chimney, and he immediately polishes them up so he can use them as bowling balls with the disembodied legs. Alright, gotta give the guy credit. He is unfazed. Then he did the same with the legs and set them up like bowling pins. He shaved down, he polished the legs? I don't think that's how flesh works. You can't just polish the legs. This is, alright, This we're getting real gruesome real fast here. I for one am here for it. Let's continue. Quote, Hey, now I can have some fun. Suddenly, two large black cats appeared and strode around the fire. Meow, meow, they screeched. We're freezing. We're freezing. Okay. The man said, You fools. What are you screaming about? Sit down by the fire and warm yourselves. After the cats had warmed themselves, they said, Good fellow, we want to play a round of cards. All right, he replied, but show me your paws. You've got such long claws that I've got to give them a good clipping before we begin. Okay, fair enough. He doesn't really know where the threats are going to be coming from, so he sees these two cats here, wants to clip their claws so they can't attack him. Pretty smart. Upon saying this, he grabbed them by the scruffs of their necks and lifted them to the carpenter's bench. There, he fastened them to the vice and beat them to death. <clears throat> and beat them to death. I guess he's not taking any chances with whether or not these cats are threats. But maybe they're not. In which case, pretty big overreaction, buddy. Anyway, afterward... He carried them outside and threw them into a pond that lay across from the castle. Because I guess that's as good a place as any. Maybe bury them. Just throw them into a pond. Let them rot. That's not nice. No one 
wants to get back to their house and see a couple dead cats in the pond, which is exactly what would happen when the king returns anyway. Just as he returned to the castle and wanted to settle down and warm himself by the fire, many black cats and dogs came out of every nook and cranny, more and more so that he couldn't hide himself. They screamed, stamped on the fire, and kicked it about so that the fire went out. So he grabbed his carving knife and yelled, Get out of here, you riffraff! So now just an army of black cats and dogs come out to avenge their fallen brethren, stomping around inside the castle as well, kicking around the fire. He grabs the knife and starts threatening them. Man, this is escalating very quickly. I'm starting to think maybe he shouldn't have immediately killed those two cats. Real aggressive. Also, what if those were just the king's cats? Did he just not? Maybe he just didn't mention, by the way, I've got a couple cats. Keep an eye out for them. They tend to get cold, but, you know, let them do their thing. They talk. Don't be alarmed by that. But just take it easy. The cats can be a little whiny. Don't let them bother you. Instead, he just sees cats and immediately murders them. And now this army of black cats and dogs have come out to avenge their fallen friend. Whew, this has escalated very quickly, and I am here for it. We continue. He began swinging the knife because of fucking course he does. Most of the cats and dogs ran away. The others were killed, and he carried them out and threw them into the pond. Oh, God, this guy. This guy just goes straight to all-out war when confronted with cats or dogs. And then immediately his choice of disposing of these bodies is throwing them into the pond. So now there's a collection of dead cats and dogs in this pond just floating on the top. Man. Then he went back inside to the fire and blew the sparks so that the fire began again and he could warm himself. This guy is not phased by anything. He is ready to roll. He is probably covered in cat and dog blood with his knife and a cigarette just waiting for the next thing to happen. And there's still these disembodied, polished limbs and skulls, which he hasn't actually bowled with yet. He just really loved the idea of disembodied body part bowling. Anyway, let's see where this goes. After he had warmed himself, he was tired and lay down on a large bed that stood in the corner. Yeah, you get tired after fighting with cats and dogs all night. Just as he wanted to fall asleep, the bed began to stir and raced around the entire castle. Quote, That's fine with me, just keep it up. So once again, he's just openly mocking the house for being insane and sentient. So the bed drove around as though six horses were pulling it over stairs and landings. Bing bang! It turned upside down from top to bottom and he was beneath it. So he flung the blankets and pillows into the air and jumped off. Quote, anyone who wants a ride can have one. Then he lay down next to the fire until dawn. So he's just making a joke of it to show the castle that he's not scared of the castle, I guess. All right, shown confidence. I'll give him that. If anything, he is a confident, unflappable young man. To his credit, a sociopath and a psychopath and murderous, but not easily phased. 
We continue. In the morning, the king arrived, and when he saw the young man lying asleep, he thought he was dead, and said, What a shame. But when the young man heard these words, he awoke, and as soon as he saw the king, he stood up. Then the king asked him how things had gone during the night. Quite well. One night's gone by smoothly, the other two will go by as well. So he's not even going to mention any of the preceding cat murder. It's unclear whether or not the king saw the dead cats and dogs in the pond on his way in. But he's going to play it cool. The young man is going to play it cool. Act totally unfazed, even though he was just sleeping on the floor. And presumably the entire place is a bloody mess with bedsheets and pillows all over the place. And mm. All right, I got to give this kid credit. We continue. Indeed, the other knights were just like the first, but he already knew what to do, and so on the fourth day he was rewarded with the king's beautiful daughter. The end. That's it. So the same thing apparently happened the next two nights, but, quote, he already knew what to do. So apparently we are supposed to believe that he handled things exactly correctly by murdering these cats and dogs and mocking the castle and the sentient bed. And by the end of that third night, there was probably just a mountain of dead cats and dogs in that pond. Pond would have been just red, I'm sure, at that point. If there were any fish in the pond, they're dead. Maybe the pond isn't even visible anymore because now it's just the dead cat and dog pile. My god. And so on the fourth day, he was rewarded with the king's beautiful daughter. I'd, I don't think that's worth it. We're supposed to believe this is some victory? Now he has to live in this castle. That's just going to torture him and send waves of black cats and dogs every night. How was that the right way to handle it? So I guess we are supposed to believe that the king does this every night. The king himself gets the dozen legs, or the ten legs, however many legs. The legs come out of the chimney, the skulls come out once you mock the chimney, then the cats come out. You don't play cards. He never plays cards with them. It says good card playing. Is that the name of the good bowling and card playing? He doesn't play any cards. The cats want to play cards, and he murders them. So that's the end. Well, this one's a doozy. Meet me after the break for the autopsy. And this week, the term autopsy takes on new meaning because there were a lot of dead bodies. Welcome to the autopsy, the section of the podcast where we get into what just happened. And wow. This one went off the rails real fast and stayed there the entire time. This is why we're doing this, folks. This insanity right here. Bloody chaos. Bloody nonsensical madness. I am here for it. Man, I don't even know what we're gonna what the lesson is gonna be later. Whew, all right. Well, if you want to break this down, there's not it's pretty simple, structurally speaking. King has a daughter who is, quote, the most beautiful in the world. 
says, hey, watch the house for three nights and you can marry her. And then this, quote, young man from a poor family says, hey, I got nothing to lose. I'll go for it. Just give me a knife, a lathe, and a fire. And the carpenter's bench, he doesn't really... What does he really do? Okay, so the knife is primarily used to murder pets. The carpenter's bench and the lathe are just used to polish body parts. And the fire... Fire isn't really used for much of anything. The fire is just to keep himself warm and lure the cats closer. Things start going wrong immediately, and he just mocks the house. The legs start shooting out of the chimney. He mocks the house again. Skulls come out of the chimney. He turns them into bowling balls without hesitation. He turns those skulls into bowling balls with zero hesitation, as though that's just what you do with skulls. Polish them up and start throwing them around. Then the cats show up and are cold, so he says, go warm yourself by the fire, which is nice. But then they just want to play some cards, which I guess is taking advantage of his hospitality in his mind, so he just instantly beats them to death and throws them into the pond. That's another thing. Why are we throwing the animals into the pond? That is not a good way of disposing of dead body, of animals or dead bodies of any kind. That is awful. That is sick. Those are going to be a bloated mess. It's going to make the castle smell terrible if it's downwind. Man. And then on his way back from the pond, all of the cats and dogs' friends show up. Understandably, I'm on their side in all of this. This psychopath has taken up residence in the house and killed the two cats, which may have just lived there. Whew. So he starts swinging the knife. A bunch of the cats and dogs run away. He kills all the ones that don't, and then he throws them into the pond too. Then he's tired from all of the pet murder. And so he warms himself by the fire and goes to sleep before the bed starts running around. He again mocks the house flies off the bed, and just decides to sleep on the floor. As the bed continues to run around, presumably, the king gets back and is like, oh, I guess he's dead. But he says, oh no, everything went pretty smooth. All fine here. And then the same thing happened for two more nights, and I guess they live happily ever after in this murder house? Which is really only a murder house because he's the one doing the murder. It's just a creepy house with some legs that fall out and talking animals. Talking animals, that's cool. I want to play cards with a couple of black cats that can talk. That sounds awesome. That sounds like a great vacation. The leg thing is a little creepy. It's not hurting you. The legs aren't attacking or doing anything weird. They're just there. They're just standing there on their own accord, presumably. It says they stand up. But yeah, there's no problem. Just play cards with the cats. And there's no indication at any point that the cats have ill intentions or are going to attack or do anything untoward or bad or malicious or... No. The kid just goes insane on a murder spree. And apparently, that was the proper way to handle the situation. So in the end, they live happily ever after. And he gets to, presumably kill a bunch of cats and dogs every night for the rest of his life 
as the pile of dead bodies in the pond grows ever higher. Man. All right. What is the lesson? I think the lesson of this is roll with the punches, because this kid does not hesitate ever. He is a man of action, if nothing else. I don't think that's a good thing in this context, because his action is horrifying and murderous. So I don't really agree with the fact that he's portrayed as the hero of our story. Usually the person killing cats and dogs is not the hero in life. So maybe the real lesson of this is a matter of perspective, and there are more than one ways to solve a problem, and there are more than one ways to react to a situation. Maybe on the second night or the third night, he tries not killing the cats. Let's see what happens then. He's still got his knife. If they try anything, just go for it. They're not going to kill him. They're cats. Why did, He doesn't have to do this. He doesn't have to do this at all. Man. So yeah, what is the real lesson here? I think the real lesson is roll with the punches, but also keep a level head. Because this guy rolls with the punches, but he does not keep a level head. He goes off the rails immediately, and at no point second guesses, maybe I shouldn't be killing these cats. So that is the lesson this week. Roll with the punches, be decisive, but keep a level head. Otherwise, you're just going to be a no-good cat murderer. Also, if someone says, hey, watch my house and you can marry my daughter, it's going to be a bad deal. Whew, wow. Okay, meet me after the break, and we will get into the adaptation. Welcome to the adaptation, where we will attempt to adapt this insanity into a TV show or movie. So... Not a lot of characters. King is going to be... Needs to be someone a little crazy. There's a lot going on here. Needs to be a little creepy, a little dark. Feel free to comment or send any suggestions for this casting. I'm going to go with Javier Bardem. He's got the sort of ethereal, psychotic, but dark and intense and stern eyes that I feel like would would portray the gravity of the situation from the outset. Sort of have an inherent warning as he says, if you can stay for three nights. I'm not doing a good Javier Bardem impression. If you can stay at my house for three nights, then you will have my beautiful daughter. Don't know how good of an impression that was. We're, gonna, we're just going to move on from there. The daughter doesn't have any lines or really any involvement whatsoever. We don't she doesn't even really make an appearance. She's just mentioned early on. I don't know. Anytime we do a princess, I don't know young actresses. Zendaya. She's Zendaya. All of the princesses are just going to be Zendaya. And the young man will be Pete Davidson. Pete Davidson seems like the perfect person for this. I don't know if you've seen Chad in SNL, but this is kind of a psychotic Chad. He just rolls with the punches, is fine no matter what and doesn't hesitate, and just follows his instinct, no matter what. Pete Davidson is for sure the young man here. I don't even know if you can get a movie out of this. It's a real short, short narrative. Matt, you could get a movie out of it. 
you draw out the, the, the early parts. You got to set the scene. You got to set the stage. So yeah, we can make this a movie. I feel like sort of a horror comedy is what's going to happen here. Maybe you could get into sort of a psychological component where he's unsure what's in his mind and what's actually happening. I feel like that would be the most compelling way to do it. I'd kind of want to, I don't want to modernize it or take it out of sort of a medieval kind of setting, which seems to be what the setting is because it takes place in a castle. I don't want to change it too much because what's fun about it is just how insane and how it sort of sets up to be kind of a mysterious, mystical, old-timey, medieval tale. And then it just evolves into this crazy, insane, murderous rampage of this young house sitter. So I kind of, I don't want to modernize it. Let's just keep it in the castle with the king and then the daughter. Pete Davidson is just sort of a stable boy somewhere. He comes in, rolls with the punches, swings his knife around, piles up the cats and dogs in the pond. Somehow it all works out. I think a horror comedy is the best way to do this. Pete Davidson's the one to seal the deal. Yeah, that's how we would do it. Quite happy with that. And I would watch that movie. I would watch the hell out of that movie. All right, well, this one was quick, but it was crazy. I had fun with this one. Next week, we are getting into a story called The Wolf and the Seven Kids. I'm sure that's going to get real messy. Especially now that we're really getting into the, the nitty-gritty of the insanity. Seems like the early, the first few were kind of idealistic, sort of relatively clean, polished, and now we're getting into the real nitty-gritty, which is why we started the series to begin with. This is what we want to get into, this insanity. So next week, we got The Wolf and the Seven Kids. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. That really helps us out. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm excited now that we're really getting this rolling. Coming up on week number five, come back next week for The Wolf and the Seven Kids. I'm Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. See you next week.